Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live a Little, our crazy little podcast about everything and nothing with me, Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and educator and mindfulness guru, Greg Graber. This is episode eight. We have, uh, uh, well, before before we start talking about numbers, what do we got in the glass? Cheers. Cheers. A little bit of Oktoberfest okay. from Wiseacre okay. right here in uh, Midtown Memphis. Now I'm going to uh, gonna go to Wiseacre uh, this Saturday after the Grizzlies open practice. A friend is going to be performing there. Oh, cool. So looking, looking forward Very to cool. that. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is episode eight, and uh, we, have, we have bypassed the 300 download mark. I wish I could say per episode, but it's giving out this sensitive information. No, it's just it's just kind of funny. Two hundred ninety-eight or us, probably right. No, no, I don't know. We 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 want to shout out all our listeners, and we we've realized that we actually have some listeners overseas. I I, the the uh, piece of software that I use says that we have listeners in Great Britain and in Ireland. I don't know that's if that's Aaron Malloy who has like an Irish account or, or and, something. And or Seamus. And or Seamus. Our two Irish friends. Seamus Loftus. Or DJ Naylor. Our three Irish friends. Yeah, we, we have we have multiple Irish friends. Well speaking of Aaron, there was that accolade we failed to mention last week where he basically was ranked by someone's data analysis, uh, I forget the gentleman's name, Pete, who does USL crunches numbers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as the most efficient player. Mm-hmm. All the way around in the USL. Yeah. So congrats yeah. to and, Aaron Malloy. And FOTMOB.com, they have him as their highest rated player in USL championship play. Um, unfortunately, uh, just uh, could not get a result against Birmingham Legion, which just for some reason they can't beat those guys. They played them three times this year. One uh, one loss and two draws could not could not win the Southern Harm Derby as they say, but uh, this is episode eight. So we'll talk about what's happening in our lives. We got some recommendations, and uh, boy do I have oh boy do I have grievances. <laughs> I've got a few. As you've, always. you've got a few. Well, you you, you air travel, I'm sure, and uh, a mindful moment, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to the week ahead. But. As far as what's going on, uh, you had an interesting opportunity today to yeah. uh, talk to the people at FedEx. Despite, if I sound a little bit like Peter Brady going through puberty on that episode of the Brady Bunch, uh, some allergy stuff going on. It's not COVID, I want to assure you, Pete. Thanks. As I sit across from you here. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I had the opportunity, and I loved it, to present to the marketing department at FedEx out at uh, the Southwind Clubhouse, and mm-hmm. next week... Even though it's not related, I guess it is related, but it's not. By coincidence, I'll be presenting to the FedEx legal department a week from today. I'm looking forward to that, too. Making sure that, that the marketing department hasn't made any statements it, it, yeah, that, that legal it, has to rein in. It's like compliance almost, right? <laughs> and then uh, I wanted to give a kudos to Chef Kelly English. Okay. He came out yesterday to Lausanne and spoke to our freshmen and sophomores. It was really interesting. It was an SEL session, mm-hmm. sort of what I oversee and develop and teach. It's social and emotional learning. He spoke about the power of food in terms of it being a connector and a culture builder, and it was really cool. And it was very nice of him to take his time, and it was well-received. Everybody loved it. So thank you, Kelly. Kind of an Anthony Bourdain take on it, you know, with, with, with food connecting cultures. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, which 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 I think is is absolutely perfect. And, and, absolutely and Kelly perfect. owns I don't know three or six restaurants here in town. There's a restaurant Iris. There's Fino's, the sandwich shop. Um, what's he, which one am I leaving out, Pete? Didn't they have one in uh, New Orleans? 
Yeah. You're thinking a second line? A donut. Yeah, second line, of course, mm-hmm. in Midtown. This, this allergy has my brain fogged a little bit. Yeah, because so. you've only had one sip of beer, so exactly. you know it's not that. Not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Facebook reminded me, speaking of people coming to speak at Lausanne, uh, it was 12 years ago today. Really? That I was, yeah, that was, wow. that was the last invitation from you. Was no, years. that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> you spoke last year, right? Right. And the that only is, reason, and let me just preface this because I know you're going to Wiseacre and drinking without me, so I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> plus, how many times have you eaten at Bog and Barley without me? This is, you're going to be my grievance today, I think. Um, I'm just kidding. So the reason I didn't have you this year is because the freshmen and the sophomores have this weekly session together. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have everybody on an every other year kind of okay. rotation so they don't have to see them. Not okay. that they would mind seeing you twice, but uh, so. Gotcha. Okay. Well, but I might I'll, have I'll you in the spring. We can do something different depending okay. on your schedule. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. <laughs> well, as, as for me, um, Media Day, Grizzlies Media Day, which is always a lot of fun for – the reason that you can talk to players and they're in a good mood, they're not in the midst of a losing streak, they're not in the midst of three games in, in seven days or, or whatever it is. And we did a live stream on Grind City Media, and I was on for like an hour and a half. Got to talk to Marcus Smart and Santi Aldama. Uh, and you just, you, like I said, they are in a good mood. Because Media Day, for those of you who don't know, Media Day is a day that's set aside where the players come in, they have their uniform on, and they visit with the media, obviously. Uh, They will have all their photographs taken. They'll do some social media stuff. And a lot of the things that you see, what we call the gladiator shots, where, you know, they're emerging from the smoke with a basketball and looking mean and all that, all those types of videos are shot on media day. And so they go from station to station. So they'll go talk to the Grizzlies' originating radio station, flagship radio station. They'll talk to Grind City Media. Then they'll do the podium for you know the broader media group. They'll have their official pictures taken, uh, that the official headshots, which obviously became an issue with uh, Jimmy Butler, who, you know. Oh, what, yeah. yeah. What do you say? He was emo. He, yeah, but he, he looks was, like he was, he was Andre 3000, an outcast. Some, you know, something so. like that. And what I the, the league mandates that you're supposed to show up on media day as you would appear on the court, which he's not going to wear that on the court. So I don't know. He's not going to wear his hair like that. You mean? No, no. no so no I don't way. know. So I don't know if they're going to have to retake the picture or could they use find him? Pictures. That's so I'm NBA, sure they would. That's so NBA like, right. To find him for that. Yeah, I, I mean, but I mean, this is your image or how you were to be presented for the entire year. It was kind of funny. It was kind of funny, better but it's than funny James, for a day. Better than James Harden not showing up at all, right? Well, it's it's James Harden. I mean, that that act has kind of kind of run its course. Um, so it's a grueling day for these gentlemen, these players. That right? it's 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 a longer day, and in fact, what they they did is they did kind of an internal day where they got a lot of the stuff knocked out, and then they did the external, where the media are actually invited. Uh, so that yeah, they, they've had to break it up, and their meetings. Uh, there was a meeting with Taylor Jenkins. They all met as a group, and, and so there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, I got a bit of bad news yesterday. Uh-oh. A little bit of shocking news, actually. Uh, a friend of mine posted on Facebook that Fisher Hall, the dormitory in which I lived at Notre Dame, is being torn down. My goodness. This you, is... you might be old if, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are, there, are, there are residence halls that are older, but Fisher Hall... And it was so named. You remember back in the day, cars. There was a little nameplate on the um, on the running board, "Body by Fisher." Yeah, the Fisher family funded that particular dormitory. Uh, 
it was it was a cinder block palace. It was nothing special architecturally. It was it was terrible. But so it was old when you were in it. It was old when I was in it, probably because I was there between eighty two and eighty six, and it was probably built in the sixties. And there really wasn't much that they could do with it anymore. So they're tearing it down. There's also a dormitory next to, next to it called Pangborn. They're tearing both of those down, and they're they're going to rebuild on that footprint. But I think both those dorms had only four four floors of beds, and I think they're going to build something that's a little bit bigger. It was gr it was great because Fisher was right next to the South Dining Hall, so you really didn't have to take a long walk, and South Bend winters can be kind of cold. Didn't have to take a long walk to go to the dining hall. And then in spring, you were steps from the golf course. So for me, it was, uh, it was an ideal place, and uh, I was texting back and forth with several, several friends about the, the demise of Fisher. And for those of you who, who don't know, Notre Dame does not have fraternities or sororities. So when you pick a dorm, assuming you stay on campus all four years, which is not a given, because a lot of people you know, get apartments, um, it's called the stay hall system because if you like the hall, you stay there. Mm -hmm. I stayed in the same. I moved one room over after my freshman year. I stayed in one room my last three years wow. at Notre Dame. And so you don't have frat brothers, but you have people that lived in the same dorm. And so a lot of my close friends from my days at Notre Dame, we became close friends because we all lived in Fisher and we all lived there for four years. So I did that at boarding school, and there is something about cementing a bond with another young man or young men around you living sort of in those formative years that it seems like it's formidable forever, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, without, some, without a doubt. Some of my strongest bonds were made from dorm mates. Yeah, like yeah, and, and that's I, the system I think works, works very well at Notre Dame. So um, any event. That's kind of personal news. I, I think the greater public could care less about where I lived uh, at Notre Dame, but there you have it. I had a little bit of personal news, too. Um, I don't know if I should call these people out by name, but the crazy lady backed out of the housing contract. So the house We is, kind of figured that yeah, was going to be the case. Back on the market. So And, and listener, listener if you house, missed episode seven, this, this lady had backed out of other real estate three or, contracts. Three or four. Yeah. So we're back at it. Have a different agent now. So... I'm sure that lady's agent has got to be looking for a new uh, He's just as customer. nutty as she is. Uh, <laughs> we had one agent, we mentioned his name, and she called him a shyster. So okay. there, there you have it. Okay. So, <laughs> that, the housing saga continues. Oh, well, first my, world problem. First world problem. We have a house. We're trying to buy another one, trying to sell our house. So don't feel sorry for us. Just buy the house. Just buy the house. Um, you got some recommendations for us for things that are going on that you want to uh, tell everybody about? So Holly was out of town last weekend, and whenever she's out of town, I tend to watch a little more TV. I guess that makes sense. And you didn't call me. We could have gone to Bog and Barley, but you didn't call me. Holly was I'm out waiting of town. for you to call me. Oh, wait, you have to facilitate this. You're I the one to... that goes all the time. Because it's like a quarter of a mile down the street right, from we me. We need to do that. I'll okay. have you speak at Lausanne, and then afterwards we'll go. And we'll, okay. How's that? Done deal. In the spring. Done deal. If we can work it around your grizzly after, schedule. After, issue, after, right? after you write your next book. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is getting good. Half beer in. Not even a half beer. So Netflix, there's this wonderful film. I'm not even a baseball guy, but do you remember the old White Sox owner, Bill? Is it Vec? Bill Vec, yeah. Crazy guy. Yeah. Back in those days, you didn't have to be a billionaire to own a major league sports team. You could sort of be a shyster, like that real estate guy, I guess. Um, and he always had these crazy sort of innovative game day promotions. Very gimmicky. And he put his son, Mike, over it. So the infamous one that really went wrong was when they had, I think it was before a game or maybe after. Anyway, um, 
a march or a rally against disco music. Do you remember? <laughs> disco demolition yeah, night. Yes, turned, I, yeah. yes, I remember it well. Yeah, it, it, it must have been before the game because they blew up a pile of disco records. Yeah. Physically blew it and, up. And the fans went nuts, just tore up the place. Um, well, Mike was over that, his son. And Mike was always trying to get his daddy's attention, get his approval. And that was really sort of a black mark on him for a long time. So he started off, he started over after years of being unemployable as like a sports marketing guy or a promotions person, whatever they're called. He started working in little small markets in the different minor leagues of baseball doing this. And it's really just a, it's a beautiful story. It's really well told. And uh, even if you're not into to baseball or sports in general, I highly recommend it. Okay. It's a, how he redeems himself and just ends up having a really nice life. And he's a, seems like a really good hearted guy. Yeah. So it was so. like cancel culture before there was cancel culture. Exactly. Cause his, cause his dad yeah. did some stuff that was kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, I think if people remember he, uh, it, uh, Bill Veck was the guy that brought the midget or small person, I guess is the, is the correct term. Pete, Pete come on. <laughs> we're going to get canceled. No, was, gonna... I, I know we're, we're he, he, a little person, Eddie Gadel, I guess, who was like this really, you know, very short person and walked on four pitches and brought him in for, for, oh, for one yeah, at yeah. bat. They showed that. Yeah. 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 And, and that was his idea. And I think Bill Veck also for, for whatever reason, had a leg up. He had a wooden leg. Yeah. Yeah, he was a peg literally. Leg. He was a peg leg. leg. Yeah. Now I'm going to get canceled, but uh, it was interesting. And he would hang out like in the club. I think he was the first one to kind of have uh, club level seating, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't very nice. Mm-hmm. It's like a dingy, dark. That was basically his office. He didn't have an office as the owner, and he would hang out there and do deals and stuff and come up with ideas. And some of some of them worked. Some of them did not. But I oh think, yeah, disco I, disco demolition night lives in infamy in Chicago. A, I remember that as a kid. Yeah, uh, when that happened. But I've never. Are you are you a Brewers fan or are you a baseball guy at all? I'm not a huge baseball guy. I do follow the Brewers a little bit. When I lived in Chicago, it was odd because I grew up in Wisconsin and, and I lived in Chicago for a period of time in the in the '90s. And people would say, "Cubs or Sox," and I like I. Brewers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, I enjoyed both clubs. Going to Wrigley Field is is a wonderful experience. If you have even the slightest love of baseball, you just need to go there because it's Wrigley Field. Old Comiskey was crazy. Um, old Bandbox. Um, I remember one time, going back to my Notre Dame days, a bunch of us just hopped in a car and we drove and bought $5 general admission seats. <laughs> for like a day game and froze because it was probably April when we, when we went. Um, and then they built the new Comiskey, which is just, it was just way too modern, way too sterile, had zero personality. I don't even, it's had a long, long series of corporate sponsors. I think it's guaranteed rate field now. Um, and it's just, it just never was, was very, very charming. So uh, Chicago baseball, I kind of sort of got into it. But uh, the Brewers are still my team. But yeah, I'm, the- I'm not really into baseball. When I lived in Atlanta back in the early '90s, when the Braves were really good, that was fun. But there's something about even if you're not in the sport, going to some of these majestic, storied parks, right? And just hanging out, having a beer, eating some peanuts. Yeah, uh, I did Fenway. Holly and I did that. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Awesome. Thought, yeah, great. It was so cool. Um, I thought I got a great deal on some seats, and I looked at the ticket. It said partially obstructed view and I'm like well this is a good price 
and I'm standing there. There's a beam literally like four inches from my nose. Yeah. Uh, but it was fun. The, the, the charm of the old ballparks. Yeah, I've been, I've been to Old Tiger Stadium, Comiskey Park, Old Yankee Stadium. Um, what other ones? Well, Old Comiskey, like I said. Uh, the old Milwaukee County Stadium, which was an absolute dump. American Family Field, where they play now, is, is really, really nice. Yeah, I, I enjoy it, and we went to a Brewers game this summer, and I was heartened, and I really enjoyed the fact that they added the pitch clock. That oh yeah, the, the game the game kept moving, and I mean, supposedly it's transformed the game in a positive way. It has from a viewer's experience because you're you don't have time for your attention to wander because mm-hmm. I think what the the pitcher can step off like once, and the batter can step out once, and you're not calling time, you know. Three pitches in a row, and the guy's readjusting both gloves because, of course, he has to have two gloves on, not one, you know, and check his bat and all that. It was great. It was it was like maybe a four-three game, five-three game, and it was like two hours and fifteen minutes. Perfect. And it, it was it was funny. I was listening to a po- listening to a podcast today with Bill Simmons, and he said he loves soccer because you know it's a two-hour time frame. Yeah, you're going to be done in two it's hours. One of the reasons I loved it as a kid, and I still love it today. It's quick. It's there's no timeouts. You know, players have to make decisions on their own. Yeah. Speaking of, can I squeeze in a second of Arsenal Go right and ahead. a couple other things? Go I right ahead. I would feel remiss if we didn't. So you know how everybody in a soccer pub is an expert wherever you go. They're all morons, including us. <laughs> I'm not talking bad about our friends at the Brass Door or anywhere right, else right. where we watch soccer on our trips. Let's just, let's just say they're all opinionated. All opinionated. And you know what they say about opinions. We're not going to mm-hmm. say it's a family show, but um, – we were wrong on two things, Pete, and I hate to admit it. But, you know, we talked one of my mindful moments a couple episodes ago was about admitting when you were wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we said Arsenal was bad on corner kicks. During the Bournemouth game a couple of weeks ago or whenever it was, they talked about how Arsenal has scored more on corner kicks than any other team in the Premier League. Are we watching a different team? Than I don't know which, which, what, what history, what sample size I, are we yeah, talking about? I don't know. Like, it, that's strange. Yeah. For the season. They're one of the top corner kicks. This year? Yes. I, I, I can't think of a time when we scored on one or right after one. Hmm. But Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many touches are they going further into the possession once you, once you win a corner. Because I th- when I think of scoring off a corner, it's you strike, you, you know, you serve from the corner. Directly? Directly, you go back post. Okay. There's well, maybe they're talking it. about a couple plays Could be, and, could be, yeah. Um, and the, the other thing, you know, there's the goalkeeping controversy. The Englishman Aaron Ramsdale was the starting keeper for a while, a couple of years, I guess. And now the Spaniard, David Raya, mm-hmm. is – and there's a new fad in soccer – all of these managers are wanting to play keepers that are supposedly better with their feet, pass the ball out, distribute, or whatever. Uh, yesterday I was watching, did you see in the Champions League game? I did not Ar- see Arsenal any. lost a lens. Raya hit a ball off his feet straight to a striker who kind of knocked it in. And I'm thinking, I would rather have a traditional shot stopper than a guy that's just good with his feet. I don't think they have to be unique to each other, right. those skills necessarily, but – Remember, we were excited about Raya a couple of games mm-hmm, ago. Mm-hmm. We were joking. I hate to say it. We were like, Aaron who? Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, he was fantastic against – uh, was it Man U? I think so. But I think I'm wanting Ramsdale to start again. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. Hmm. So. We, we, we shall see. I'm going to go with the arts and entertainment for, for my recommendations. Number one, and this is why anybody who says, there's nothing to do in Memphis, you haven't looked very hard. 
I, I want to shout out the Memphis Symphony Orchestra as being really, really good. And their story, a few years ago, I don't know if you remember this, they were like about ready to fold. Mm -hmm. They had no money. And Peter Abel and the group with uh, the Memphis Symphony have, have rallied. They have come back. They're in, in sound financial footing right now. They got Robert Moody to be the musical director and, of course, lead conductor he's great. in that role. He's great because he's a South Carolinian, so he, he understands Memphis. He understands the South. He is also great, and he has embraced Memphis and Memphis music. And so when you go to one of their concerts, you will get a modern piece. You'll get something that resonates with Memphis, and then you'll get something from the classical repertory. And what's great is he has just signed a, an eight-year contract extension to stay here. And I saw them, um, they, when they do concerts, sometimes what they do is they'll do Saturday night at, at the Cannon Center, and now they're uh, playing Sunday afternoons at the Scheidt Music Center on the campus of the University of, of Memphis. And so that was my first visit to the Scheidt, which is a beautiful, beautiful facility. And I would just encourage people to, even if you're not a huge classical music fan, I just love live performance of pretty much anything. And... You don't have to commit necessarily to a particular season uh, because they've got, they've got several different um, series of concerts. You don't have to commit to a series. What I do and, and, and what they will allow you to do is something called pick six. You buy six tickets. And, when I, and because when they want you to subscribe, I don't know what the NBA schedule is going to be. So I say, I'm going to get a pick six. And then when I know what my dates are that I can actually go to this concert, I will just call... My, my customer rep and say, Shavanda, I want to cash in one of these for this concert. So it can be that easy. You never have a problem getting the one that you want, typically? I mean, no, it's not, no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying how great but they you are. The, you, are you are Pete Pranica. I mean, there's that. Yeah, but, so. well, as, as good as the symphony is, they don't sell out. Yeah. There are, there are going to be seats available. So that that's never an issue. And uh, I would certainly encourage people to go and to check them out. Go to uh, memphissymphony.org and uh, check out their schedule. They've got some great stuff coming up. They did uh, pictures at an exhibition, which is one of my all-time favorite uh, pieces. But they also had the world premiere of a guitar concerto that was like blues and jazz and then classically played guitar. It, it, was, it was amazing. But those are the types of things that are happening in Memphis. Another thing that's happening... And in, in full disclosure, I, yes, I am a board member for Tennessee Shakespeare Company, but they're starting their season uh, during the month of October. And what they have done now, this is the seventh annual, uh, they call it their Shout Out Shakespeare series. It's free. This year they're doing The Tempest. And the Shout Out Shakespeare, they're done outdoors primarily. It's free. Uh, and they are slightly truncated performances. So The Tempest is going to be 90 minutes. Free. It's outdoor. Uh, no reservations are needed. Bring your camp chair. Where is, it, where is it usually outdoors? Different places or just one well, particular? Well, because you've asked, I'm going to read off the list. Um, on Thursday, October the 5th, it'll be at Wiseacre on B.B. Oh, King. Wow. Then on Friday, it will be at the Chimes Square Amphitheater in Overton Square, which is where I will be on Friday night. Uh, then they're going to be at Woodlawn uh, in LaGrange on Saturday, October the 7th. Dixon Gallery and Gardens on Sunday, October the 8th. The Bartlett Performing Arts Center on Appling Road on Friday the 13th. Overton Park Shell on Sunday, October 15th. 
Wiseacre, the Broad Avenue location, Thursday, October 19th, Collierville's Town Square and the Train Depot, Saturday, October 21st. They're going to be at Davies Manor, which will be a great setting, uh, Sunday, October 22nd. And then they will have a um, what they're calling their half-price indoor performances where they will be on actually at Tennessee Shakespeare Company Saturday and Sunday, October 28th and 29th. Those will be indoor. The rest of them, like I said, they're outdoor. They're varying start times. So go to tnshakespeare.org. Again, it's free. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So like I said, for anybody who says, oh, there's really nothing to do in Memphis, baloney. There's plenty to do. Are you going to act again? I know you got rave reviews a couple of times that you for did Mark the Twain? Mark Twain. Yeah. That's, that's entirely up to TSC. Um, you know, they don't typically like to redo productions year after year. If at some point Dan McClary says, will you, will you bring Twain back? Absolutely. Um, MUS invite, invited me to do half an hour of Twain. So I'm, I'm happy to Very do that. Cool. So if there's, if there's anybody out there that, uh, that wants me to perform as Mark Twain, we've got the costume, we've got the wig, we've got the hair. Someone affiliated with a school maybe? Could, <laughs> hey, as, if, there's an, if there's an invitation, you know, that's, that, that's all I'm saying. So That's uh, very cool. Great organization. Yep. They do a wonderful job. Yep. All right, it's time for grievances. We're halfway Ooh. through the beer. We're, we're want, ready. You want me to, to start? I've got... So I've got a lot of grievances with Donald Trump in general, and I'm not even talking about from a political perspective, just some of the outrageous and, and horrendous things that he's done. But the thing that gets me the most, other than, of course, trying to overthrow the government from saying that it was a false election results, that's, that's a given. He lifted the ban on the robocalls and the spam text. And now, did you know that? that he I did not it? know that. Yeah, yeah. And now that it's election season here in Memphis, do you know? Do you get a lot of those? I do not. I'm getting them all the time. And you can go to the do not call list. It doesn't do, doesn't do anything. Anymore. He had some czar of, I don't know what, communications or whatever. The FTC? That, yeah, that, that just got rid of that. It, it's not effective anymore. So, Trump, that's one of my beefs with you. I don't want to get robocalls or unsolicited text and all this from every candidate from dog catcher to mayor in Memphis. Thankfully, I've not gotten those, but I, I've been getting a lot, uh, hey, and it's not my name, are you still willing to sell your property at fill in the blank? Will and you I've send them my it. address, please? <laughs> I could use nah, that. No, I don't, I don't think so, because they, they change the names and then they change the addresses. And lo no, I, I've never owned that property. But I, thankfully, I haven't gotten the po political calls, although that may change. I mean, I guess that's really a first world issue, to be honest. But, you know, your phone goes off several times a day. And it's even if it's a candidate I like, I, I really don't want to get those. It's it's a, a bit disturbing. Gotcha. That's your only grievance? I, I, I want to see what you got. And I want to <laughs> see if I need to add some more. to. Well, you know, and, and, and neither of us, we don't, we don't want to turn this in, into a political show. But given what happened yesterday with Kevin McCarthy being ousted as a speaker, and I'm, I'm not going to say should have happened, should not have happened. I'm going I'm to stay totally away from that. But I'm, I'm going to go to what happened when the Speaker Pro Tem says that Nancy Pelosi has to vacate her. I guess she had like some little side office because she was Speaker Emerita mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And he's saying, you have to vacate it by tomorrow. She's in San Francisco for Dianne Feinstein's funeral. And everybody knows this. And what I would say is that I have to imagine if they take a poll that Americans' confidence in Congress has to be 
at an all-time low because Congress right now is not governing. It's all performance theater. It is barely above a fourth grade level of maturity. And I know that it's, it's a word that I, I you know, it's, it's now the word of the day. These are unserious people. Oh, and yeah. and that's the thing. It's that, shtick. It's it's WWE. Right, right. And 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 we're we're not being governed. Stuff is not getting done. We we you know we barely averted a government shutdown. And so it's all about personalities rather than actually governing. And interesting, you know, you brought up the the Twain thing. When I was researching Mark Twain, and I wanted to take it beyond humor, and I wanted to take it into an area because later in his life, Mark Twain got very politically active. He got very. Um, anti-war and got very, uh, I don't want to say bitter, but he was much sharper in his political commentary. It wasn't all about humor. And one of the things that I found, and I, I put it into the act because I thought it was important, he said, he asked the rhetorical question, who is the country? He says, in a republic, it's not the government. The government is merely a servant and a temporary one. Its role is not to initiate orders, it is to follow orders, i.e., the will of the people. I don't know that the will of the people is being represented at all in Congress anymore. And these are very unserious people. And I, I really am frightened for the future of this country un, un, unless we get this rectified where we put people in those positions who actually are concerned about governing and taking care of the American people. That's your job, not to perform, not to grandstand, not to uh, you know cast retribution on somebody that you don't like, and and to me that is it just it just strikes at the very core of me because as a younger person had the opportunity to be involved with the American Legion, Badger Boy State, Boys Nation, and you thought oh this would be great to be a public servant and you're making policy and you know you're doing these really really big things and it's like okay this 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 bears no resemblance to to any type of governance that. I don't like identity politics on either side. I think no. it's, it's limiting, and it's they're just playing this game to amass power and, and personal wealth. It has nothing to do with representing their constituencies. Yeah, right. and, and that, that, that to me is a major problem. Well, and McCarthy was a victim of his own game. I don't feel sorry for him at all. He, he sort of created that. Yeah, so. it's, uh, it, it's a bad situation all the way around. And like I said, I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. You can't. There's, there's no rational person who can sit here and go like, yeah, Congress is working pretty well. You, you can't. Yeah. So uh, I, I've got one other grievance. It's with the insurance companies. I think people know, and those, those who know me personally know that I had a, had a loss at the house, came back from a road trip, water heater failed, drip pan either overflowed or had a crack in it. Uh, the water heater's in the attic. There was damage to the second floor bathroom. There was damage to the living room because the water seeped all the way down. Uh, there was a claim that it took probably about five months to to settle. So I realized that I was not in good hands and I wanted to get as far away from that particular company as I possibly could. And so I decided that I was going to solicit independent insurance agents to get the best quote and see, see, see what I could do. Clearly, clearly the worst customer service experience going all the way back to the actual loss and having to deal with the claim because I was having to deal with it with an adjuster in Atlanta who never set foot on the property but yet was trying to adjudicate the claim. Um, went to one independent agent here, promised me the moon, no quotes, 
queried him again. Sorry about the delay. I'll get these to you. Never heard from him again. Go to another one. Wait two weeks before I get quotes. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If you're going to take two weeks to get me a quote, what's your claim service going to be? Mm. So, so there was that. Then I went to a third agency, and I told the person that I was working with, I said, I'm just here, I'm here to tell you, I've worked with two other agencies. They've ghosted me for no reason. If you, I said, you, you, ha, you have a captive audience here. You can sell me a homeowner's and auto owner's policy. All you have to do is actually do your freaking job. And uh, this person said, well, you know, I work on commission, so therefore I'm going to take care of you. So got the quotes, had some questions, and I emailed the questions back to this person. And I said, well, I'm on vacation, uh, but I'll look at this as soon as I arrive, and I've got a team back in Memphis that will take care of you. That was two weeks ago. Oh, Have not heard from them at all. So much for his commission, huh? Yeah, exactly. It, it's just, you know, and it, it, and the other thing, too, is now, so it, it's getting harder and harder with these insurance companies because, so I it was, it was a fairly significant loss in the tens of thousands of dollars that, you know, needed to be repaired at the house. Um, and so the, the, the prior agency or the prior carrier kicked my rate up $1,000 a year. I kind of understand that they're trying to get their money back. I get that. There are other carriers that will not even write a policy on this house, which was built in 1969. It's mid-century modern. It's been updated. It's been upgraded. And the reason that I had the claim, the water heater, has been replaced. Yeah. Wow. And there, there, was, there was one company who said, we won't even talk to you for three years. Like, I fixed what was wrong. So, I mean, somewhere there's an actuarial table that indicates that apparently if you have a, a big claim one year, you're going to have another claim the next year. It's like the only homeowner's claim I've had in my life. And I own like, you know, four or five different properties. And this is just crazy. And I feel like homeownership is the great American fallacy in some ways. If it weren't for... For guys like me and you that don't have kids, we don't really have any other tax write-off. Right. Think about <laughs> no, it. We that, don't, no, we don't. The house is it. No. I wouldn't own if it weren't for that. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like everyone, I want to own a home. Well, that's a pain in the ass. No, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. Yeah. And and the other thing, too, if you've noticed, if you live in Memphis and you notice your, your auto insurance rates are going up, I mean, I haven't had, I had a deer strike three years ago, which, which is a comprehensive claim. They don't, they don't count that against you. Um, I haven't had a collision claim in forever and the rates keep going up. And I talked to somebody who's in the insurance industry and she said, well, what's your, what's your zip code? And I told her, she's like, uh-huh. Oh, it's Memphis. There's your answer. It's yeah, Memphis. Yeah. So that, that's the other fallout of all the crime and, and particularly the carjackings and the car thefts is that, you know, the, the auto insurance is, is going up, which, which I get. I, I mean, I, I don't like it, but I understand it. Plus, MLG and W is going to go up too. They, did you see that on one point two billion? You know what? You know what? Just, this is like throwing money down a wind tunnel. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> but you know what? If it keeps the lights on, I just I'll believe it when I see it. Let, just can MLG and W and get Entergy to come up here. Okay. Wow. Grievances. Fantastic stuff. I think with all, with all the grievances, I think we are most in need of a, of a mindful moment. So, so um, you can take this wherever you want to go, but you, you were doing mindfulness training with, with FedEx, with, yeah. with their marketing people. So what, what did it, you It was interesting. We were, I talked to him for about an hour, then I passed out some of my books, Slow Your Roll, Mindfulness for Fast Times. That was your first book. Your second book is coming out. Available on, ignore that, available <laughs> on Amazon, by the way. One of the things that we talked about is 
a lot of times the way in which we speak sort of affects our mindset or our mentality with on a subconscious level. Sometimes it doesn't even register with us. And I'll give you a great example. Saturday, I had a really busy day. Holly was out of town, so I had to had to care for the dogs and the cat, which I'm allergic to. That might explain these nasal drippings right now. Um, I had to go teach at 8 o'clock in the morning. I had to go teach my mindfulness class at Crosstown Concourse for Church Health. And then I was going to squeeze in a half a soccer watching the Arsenal game at the Brass Door. I had some LSU, an LSU buddy in town because they were playing at Ole Miss. So I didn't want to tell him no. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't watch the whole game, of course, because Penny canceled practice on Thursday and they wanted me to come in on Saturday. And then after that, I had to pick up my wife at the airport, let the dogs out at some point, pick up some dog crap in the yard before she saw it, and then meet a landscaper about the new property. So I kept thinking, like, I have to do this, I have to do this, but it's almost like, no, I get to do this. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. It's a little bit of a nuance, Pete, but I get to teach this class that people are really into, and I get to interact with some cool people at Church Health. I get to go see an old LSU buddy and watch some Arsenal and hang out with Seamus and those guys. I get to work with Penny Hardaway and his guys. I get to see Holly and pick her up at the airport. Probably everything but picking up the dog crap and, <laughs> and the dishwasher. But It's, it's an all, opportunity. Yeah, it, and it is an opportunity. And it's funny, I think it was maybe Ernie Johnson, right, who had that video where he went – I think maybe it was about a year ago, and spoke to the Alabama football team. And it's not like, I have to do this. This is, I get to do this mm-hmm. type of thing. It made me think of that. So a lot of times we can kind of shift that. A lot of things that we think are sort of a pain in the rear end, that's just life. And we're lucky to do this stuff and fortunate that we're able and willing and we have these opportunities and experiences. And I think that's a real kind of... Uh, mindful way for lack of a better way to say it of looking at things yeah and it it circles back to something that we had talked about in previous episodes which is gratitude Mm -hmm. so when when you when you have the long to-do list it doesn't become obligations i'm grateful that i actually have the opportunity to do this okay Uh, i'm going to have a house guest this weekend and we are going to be celebrating a birthday over a long weekend well there's a lot of things to do it's like, well, I don't have to bake the scones. I get to bake the scones. Mm-hmm. I get to clean the house. I get to have this opportunity to have this celebration. And it, it, it really is, there is so much about self-talk, and, and I always have to catch myself because a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll, criticize, I'll self-criticize myself. And that's another thing, too, is you never want to get into that self-criticism all the time because the more you say it, the more you're going to believe it. But I, I do remember that Ernie Johnson speech. You get to. It's really powerful. I, I encourage people to go back and watch it. They can find it, you know, on YouTube or wherever. I'm 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 sure it's there. And if if you can't find it on YouTube, just talk to an Alabama football fan, and I'm sure they will they will tell but, you exactly where it is. I'm I'm glad, and I I didn't break my non-disclosure with FedEx. We didn't speak about this specifically, mm-hmm. so that was good. Okay. So, you did you have to sign an NDA? Uh, with a lot of these big corporations, yeah, that I won't reveal anything that sort of we we talked about 
in regards to what's going on with them. Oh, so, with, with them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I got so that. Yeah, because I mean, you're kind of your they don't really, your corporate speech is what I'm, your corporate. I mean, speech it's is. an hour speech. You don't really get into the you know making of a sausage with them anyway. Right, but right. Yeah. They'll tell you things though. Okay, here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like beforehand, like a company might say something like, "Our people haven't been in the office since the pandemic." Mm-hmm. So can you frame your talk around sort of emotional intelligence and working together in conflict resolution? Something like that, maybe, you know, so. Makes sense. So uh, now that Holly's back in town, you're still trying to sell the house. What else, what else you got going on? So because I mean, got, college uh, basketball is ramping yeah, up. Yeah, I'm about to hit the road. So there will be a lot of grievances, listeners, with uh, my travel stories and uh, tales of woe up in the friendly skies soon it, it, uh what do i got what, what's going on this weekend let me think there's an open house uh arsenal's playing uh, city but you you can't go i know you've got a special mm-hmm. guest coming in town i don't, it's okay i don't feel slighted <laughs> at all she's much prettier than i am so good for you um just a normal kind of laid-back weekend fall break at lausanne i'll work with the tigers again on saturday uh how about you what do you got uh, well, obviously, celebratory weekend here, but um, Grizzlies open practice Saturday. And for the, the season ticket holders, we have the, uh, the state of the franchise. So it's a conversation with Jason Wexler, the team president, and also with Zach Kleiman, president of basketball operations. And so uh, I, I sit down and you try to figure out, okay, what can we say you know, and, and, and me, because I'm not in there all the time, you're trying to figure out, okay, what can we talk about? What are we wise to not talk about? And so I, you know, put together a list of questions and say, hey, Zach, I, I'm thinking about talking about this, 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 and this. And you go like, okay, I'm good with this. This, I would rather tailor address. You know, I don't want to address it. Uh, and and with, with Wex, you know, obviously you're in a, a situation right now where you're dealing with the stadium issues. I was going to ask you, is there any tentative timeline on when they may be decided, all that stuff? I, I mean, there's there's nothing that I've heard. And um, so, I I mean, I don't know what Jason's answer is going to be. We, we agree that it, it needs to be addressed, obviously, because it, it's, it's the elephant in the room. Um, but, you know, you have to be very careful because you do have season ticket holders there. And some of these people are, they got the phone in their hands and I'm just listening to Jason Wexler. And he said, dot, 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 dot. And then, you know, it ends up all over social media. Oh, yeah. So you have to be very careful. There, there are no media in that meeting, but everybody's, ev- media, ev- everybody's, these everybody's right? media these days. So, uh, yeah. So spend some time just lining out questions for them. Um, and then the first preseason game is Sunday night at seven o'clock. Who are we playing? Indiana Pacers. Interesting. Yeah. So, and, and this is, this is kind of crazy because everybody's got 20 guys on their team and some, some guys who are not going to play, you don't, you know, your, your spotters chart, you know, looks like Santa's, <laughs> you know, Santa's nice list. Um, so yeah, so that, that's going to be rather challenging on, on Sunday to do that, but we're, we're just happy that uh, we get to do the games. We're going to do three preseason games. We're going to do the first three, which will be at home to Indiana, at home to Milwaukee. Then we're going to go to Atlanta, first road trip of the season. Very excited about that. Um, the last two are at Miami and at Milwaukee. And then those games will be shown in the Memphis market, but they will be the Miami Heat feed and the Milwaukee Bucks feed. Can I give, speaking of Milwaukee, can sure. I give my guy – Cameron Payne a shout out. Yeah, he just signed. So, yeah, uh, so I, I taught Cameron, 
gosh, years ago in middle school, and I think I was maybe his principal for a year at Lausanne. Love Cam. He's continues to have a great career in the NBA and an outstanding young man and uh, really proud of him. And also uh, Memphis 901 FC will wrap up their home schedule this Saturday night. Then one more road match um, on the 14th at New Mexico United and then playoffs the weekend of the 20th and 21st. So uh, shout out to Aaron Malloy. I discovered today I had baked some chocolate chip scones. Which I'll offer you. Why, I'll, they, I'll, oh, wow. I'll offer you Seriously, one. No, not now. Not, not now. now. No. no, no, no. You like, have one they, to go. Are they still fresh? I baked them this I morning. Mean, Jesus. I'm the last one to get one. No, I baked I them mean, this morning. All right. Trust me, I didn't bake them for you, but you can have one. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take it. I don't care. I'm not proud. I'll take <laughs> so, it. So I, so I put on Facebook, you know, I made these chocolate chip scones, right? And less than Paul, who follows me on Facebook, he says, well, you know I like chocolate chip cookies. Okay, well, now I, now I know. How was I supposed to know that you like chocolate chip cookies? So I, I've got to figure out, maybe for the first playoff game, I need to need to make some of my famous JFK chocolate chip cookies. I had no idea you were a baker. I've known you all these years. I had no idea. What else What else do I not know? That's that's interesting. You're a man of many I've, skills, I've, Mr. Brown. Well, I've, I've fly all, planes, fly act, planes, act, yeah. NBA guy, you yeah. got all kinds of stuff. Baker. Yeah. Um, well, but see, what was funny is my mother always had, you know, growing up in the country, she always had to have a homemade dessert. And it wasn't because we had sweet, we were big on, you know, we had sweet teeth. Uh, my dad didn't care for desserts, but my mom always felt she had to make something. And I know my mother, every once in a while, if she ran out of ingredients, she'd just say, it's like, we're going to have to make do with store-bought cookies. <laughs> like, it's fine. I love Oreos. I love fudge stripes. It's okay, Mom, really. Double stuff. Even even when she was in her 80s, and I would go home in a couple of years before she passed away, and I would go home during summer, she would say, she would say, you know, what do you want me to make for you for dinner? Or, you know, what do you want this? And it's like, Mom, it's okay. We'll figure it out. It's okay. I would come home. She, she was 80 years old, could barely stand up, could barely walk. She was like leaning on the counter to cook or bake or whatever. And there would be two different desserts. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that she would make. Was she, did she do the Polish, the ethnic food as well? or was it Did primarily? some of that. Did some of that. Um, you know, we, we had great access to Polish sausage mm. um, with, with the butcher in the next town over. Um, she did pierogi a few times, but pierogi are very, uh, very, very hard to make the dough and just very, very labor intensive. She would periodically would do something called gwompki, which it was ground beef mixed with rice and then wrapped in cabbage with a tomato sauce over it. Oh, that sounds good. So yeah, so there like cabbage rolls. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So 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 there was some of that. So yeah, I mean, I just picked up baking, and I mean, being single as long. As I've been single, if if you don't want to be buying store bought cookies all the time, chicks dig a guy that can bake, right? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, yeah, I hope so. I, I I enjoy it, and it's different because cooking is kind of um, cooking is kind of artistic. Mm-hmm. A little of this, little of that, mm-hmm. little of this, little of that. Improvising. Baking is not. Bake, yeah. Baking is science, yeah. and you know you you got to have this exact right now. As part of the celebratory weekend, I am going to make creme brulee wow how do you have one of the things that does the fire i I just yes what are those called little torch okay just okay yeah (laughs) mr (laughs) english major here i don't even amazon amazon (laughs) was and and that was that was the thing too is like okay so i'm gonna make creme brulee and 
my recipe for creme brulee, or the, the recipe that I have, not one that I devised, says, okay, you need a vanilla bean. So like, okay, where do I get a vanilla bean? Because you, you cut the vanilla bean open, you scrape out the seeds and, and the paste, and you know, that, that's where you get the flavor rather than just pouring vanilla extract in. And I want this to be absolutely the best creme brulee possible. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, where am I going to find a vanilla bean? Hint to the listeners, Kroger, no. Um, I actually found it at, at Fresh Market. I'm not surprised that it, they would have it. Yeah, they, so I, I was pleasantly surprised to have that. And yeah, I didn't have a torch. Because the only other time I made creme brulee... Are the torches specifically for that? or is No, it no, it can, be to heat, it can be to heat anything. I mean... Yeah, I mean, uh, like if you were like trying to solder something and you needed like mm -hmm. a heat source, I mean, uh, you 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 could do that too. But yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is, you could also put it under the broiler, but it's just more fun to have a torch in your hand too. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a robocall. Oh, looks like. yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of kind of the way that it works. In any event, so yeah, so, so so what time can I crash your romantic weekend and have a cream brulee? Just knock on the door, just. <laughs> unexpectedly i i think not i'll I mean, meet i'll meet you at bog and barley next week <laughs> when she's out of town yeah, yeah exactly uh, exactly yeah. so uh all right well that is another edition of uh, live a little this crazy little podcast about everything and nothing where oh good lord format just goes like totally out the window but that's okay it's podcasting and that's kind of what we do uh today's show is coming to you live and direct well not live it's actually recorded uh today's show is coming to you direct from the uh uh, Pranica World Galactic Studios. Pranica, yeah, Pranica Media World Galactic Headquarters. I was going to try to give us like a fancy studio name or something, but we don't have a sponsor. Now, if we have a sponsor, you know. Do I need to call Mark Goodfellow? It's all good. All it's all good. He's the, my guy. He's the, one of my guys. The, you know that. The, yes, yeah. I'm happy to call him. The, he would do it. The, the, it's the only all, thing the, is he would want to be on here, but yeah, we could do that. Yeah, he's, the, he's the, the It's All Good studio. No, I, I was thinking the Bog and Barley studio. That would be nice. We'll get DJ Naylor to, to sponsor us. Um, but in any event. Are we going to do a live broadcast one of these days? From uh, the soccer pub, you want to do it? The brass door? Yeah, I mean, if Seamus, uh, Seamus is good with it, I don't, okay. I'm fine with That'd it. That'd be fun. In any event, today's show came to you uh, from the World Galactic Headquarters of Pranica Media in East Memphis. We don't have an editor. We, uh, we don't have a producer. We just kind of do this all ourselves over a glass of beer, which is the best way to do it. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next time, Mr. Graber. Ciao. Cheers.